This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, it has happened again. A fight between residents at a long-term care home has resulted in death. It happened yesterday at Bendale Acres, a city-operated nursing home in Scarborough. The victim has only been identified as a male who died of his injuries in hospital. Homicide detectives are investigating, and they say that city staff are cooperating. Now, at least 29 nursing home residents have been murdered by other residents in the last six years, and that number is likely underreported, uh, is underreporting the problem, according to the Ontario Health Coalition. We know that violence or aggression is often a feature of dementia. So is the problem training, or is it the level of staffing and we'd like to, as always, hear from you, your experiences with this. Do you have loved ones currently in a nursing home? What is your take? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We're looking at all aspects of the problem. I'm joined by Lisa Levin. Chief Executive Officer of Advantage Ontario, Jane Meadus, a lawyer with the Advocacy Centre for the Elderly, and here in studio, Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer at CARP. Ladies, welcome to you all. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Okay, let's start with Jane. You're a lawyer. Uh, So, if you have two residents, I mean, I'm making assumptions here. Usually there's dementia involved. What is the legal course of something like this? Well, I mean, it, the police obviously would investigate and determine whether or not charges could be laid. Um, you know, if the person has dementia, that does not mean that, that charges wouldn't be laid or that they wouldn't go a criminal route. Um, it may end up with someone becoming uh, not criminally responsible if they're not mentally competent, but they can still go through that, that route. Um, and of course, uh, in some cases, they actually do go to trial. Well, yeah, we had a case uh, quite recently, it was a, a year or so ago, where somebody who had dementia, I'm not sure at what level, was actually convicted. That's Second correct. degree murder. Yes, and they felt that he was mentally competent. Uh, the evidence showed that, and uh, they did not go the not criminally responsible route. Um, other cases have have gone a different route and have gone the um, the mental health route. Lisa Levin, uh, I'm assuming that uh, uh, something like this is is a uh, nursing home operator's kind of worst nightmare. Absolutely, Libby. Nobody wants to see this happen. You know, my condolences to the family members of the gentleman who uh, passed away. And we have very strong regulations in place, Ontario, to uh, try and prevent any adverse uh, impact on residents. And this is the worst kind of all. So, um, you know, it's it's something that we don't want to see ever happen in long-term care. Obviously. uh, But what 
is being done to prevent it, Lisa? Well, like I said, long-term care is heavily regulated, so that's one thing that we have to know. Our system is not broken, it's strained, and that's something that came out of the long-term care inquiry report that Commissioner Gullis put out a couple of months ago. And so what we can do in the system is we need to look at who is in long-term care, because it's not the same population, pardon me, as a few years ago. 45% of residents in long-term care display some kind of aggressive behavior. 41% have psychiatric and mood disorders, so it's not necessarily dementia issues. In this case, we don't know. I'm not you know, commenting on this particular case, but 80% of people in long-term care do have cognitive impairment. So we need to make sure that there's the training in place for the staff. And we also need to make sure in general in our system that we have enough staff in long-term care. Well, yeah, Marissa Lennox, I'm not even sure. Do you agree that the system is strained, not broken? I don't care to sort of quibble over semantics, though I do wonder if the system isn't broken, what a broken system would look like when we're seeing such extreme levels of resident-on-resident violence. We know that over the last six years, it's actually gone up. Uh, It's doubled, in fact. In 2016, there were over 3,000 reports of resident-on-resident violence in long-term care homes in Ontario alone. That's not even talking about across the country. So we do know that uh, these homes are chronically understaffed and we know that the staff that do that are there that are working there um do not have the appropriate staffing level or the appropriate education to deal with the increasingly complex needs of the residents well i gather that there is a special level of training uh to deal with people with dementia and i guess other problems lisa there's different things Uh, the province has a program called uh, behavioral supports ontario where uh, specially trained individuals are either in, located in homes or there's teams that go out to homes and these individuals uh, are highly trained in working with those with dementia. But we really need to make sure that every home has skills on site all the time and that all staff are trained in working with individuals who have dementia and responsive behaviors because it's a special skill set. Jane, what's your take on this? Well, I think there's a number of issues. I think that we're expecting long-term care homes to do too much. Um, You know, yes, there are BSO workers in the home who have some training, um, and that can be spotty because sometimes those workers are doing other things as well. Um, You know, really every uh, staff member in a long-term care home has to be trained in dementia and dealing with behaviors because that really is the new normal in long-term care. I think the problem is is that we have people who have, um, you know, who do have very difficult behaviors. We only have a very few specialized behavioral units, and we're not talking about secure units in a long-term care home. We're talking about specialized units. There's about six of them across the province, which is not enough. Um, these people, you know, who are who do have these behaviors. Um, they are also entitled to be in long-term care. And what sometimes happens is they get kicked out um, illegally um, because of their behaviors. I mean, no one wants to see anyone get harmed. No one wants to see anyone um, end up in these horrible situations. We have to figure out a better way to provide appropriate care to everyone because they they also need care, but they need um, specialized care. And we're expecting homes to do all this stuff with, you know, really not enough money and not enough staff. And we do need 
a better system for that. But I think that at a minimum, um, we need to eradicate harm in long-term care. You know, I'm reminded of, while we don't know all the specifics of the situation that happened at this home in Scarborough, I'm reminded of the situation that happened with James Acker not too long ago, where he was attacked by a fellow resident in his long-term care home in Dundas. And staff stood by while this happened because they didn't know how to intervene. They didn't have the strength to intervene. They didn't know what to do. At a minimum, we need to ensure that there is appropriate staff to be able to intervene in these types of situations. And they know how to de-escalate a a conflict like this. Mm -hmm. And and in terms of what happened to him is th- that uh, the perpetrator, the man who attacked him, remained in long-term care, and so he could not return there. And and somehow that seems uh, that seems very unfair. Mm-hmm. No, that's right. He he eventually ended up dying from he his injuries in the hospital, but m- many months later. And he was the one who couldn't return to his home, essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lisa? So um, I'm having some sound issues. I didn't hear the whole uh, story, but clearly it's a very tough ethical issue because you have to look at the rights of each individual. And, you know, what do you do? There's limited long-term care beds out there. And where do people, you know, what do you do in that situation where you have uh, someone with, I, I didn't hear what exactly the situation was, if it was psychiatric or dementia. It was, and then, it was dementia. And, yeah. But what happened was, so it was resident on resident violence. Initially, the victim went to hospital, but he then could not return because the perpetrator was still there. Right, right. So, you know, I guess you have to look at everything on a case-by-case basis. It certainly does not sound like a great situation. Uh, but then what do you do? Like, as Jane said, like, where do, where do people go? We need to make sure there's somewhere for everyone in Ontario to go when they age. And if they have, um, you know, behaviors that uh, are violent because of the type of dementia they have, what do you do? You know, we can't put people out on the streets. So that's the tough thing that, you know, all of our, uh, all of the operators of, of long-term care and the government has to deal with is to make sure that people have a safe place to live, both the individuals that are exhibiting the behavior and those that could be impacted by the behavior. Yeah. And I mean, the and, problem, you know, I mean, the problem is, is that we don't have enough staff. A lot of these behavioral issues um, need a, a much closer eye on them. And when you have only one staff member, even in a unit that has behavioral, there's still not enough staff really to manage a lot of the, some of the behaviors. And so, you know, if you, you're expecting homes to provide this level of care that they're really not able to do. And, you know, trying to get, say, someone from a long-term care home into, say, a mental health facility is almost impossible unless something drastic happens. So if you're trying to do it beforehand, it's almost impossible. Um, and, and, you know, as I said, expecting them to do something, um, you know, with just, you know, everybody mixed in together. I mean, it is really a big problem. What is the expectation of staff who see something like this? I mean, I'm sure they don't want to put themselves in danger. Well, I mean, they have to obviously take action immediately. And uh, staff do get trained in nonviolent uh, interventions, like ways to, you know, not hurt the individual or themselves get hurt, but it's a tough situation. Um, They call the police, but, you know, in the heat of the moment, they have to go in and do what they can. 
but staff get can get injured as well, and so that's another consideration. You know, and we so, get, yeah. look back at the El Ruby inquest, which was an inquest where into um, the murder of two residents in a long-term care home. And in that ca- case, the staff really weren't properly trained, and in fact, locked themselves into a unit, waited for the police, and it was you know, but for a wow. um, a, a custodian who came out and actually sort of tackled the um, assailant, um, there would have probably been another, at least one more murder. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I, I feel like I'm a broken record among a chorus of other broken record players here. We're all sort of seeing the same thing, that there needs to be increased staffing levels. There needs to be um, improved behavioral support training for that staff. And, you know, we can even consider things like technological um, investments, things like bells on doors or or different things that would alert staff when people leave their rooms. Those types of things, I think, would, would go a long way to improving the safety because we do know that a lot of people who have loved ones in long-term care are not confident that their lives are not at risk. I also want to mention that that Minister Fullerton did say uh, right at the uh, when the inquiry into long-term care report was released that she has heard what the commissioner recommended including training and including the uh, potential need for more staff and that the ministry is going to be putting some more funding aside. Now once again could that have prevented the situation? We don't know. Um, I don't know the details of the situation at all but in general we know there's not enough staff in long-term care. We know staff uh, need to have more training. And so we're hoping that this government is going to take some action. And uh, that's what they say they're going to do so that we can uh, start to improve things. Yeah, over over long term, I'd like to take a call from Pat in Toronto. Hi, Pat. Good morning. Yes, one very interesting aspect, and this comes from a retired physician friend of mine who worked down in the States, I believe, in the state of Virginia. He said, you have an attack like this, and it doesn't doesn't necessarily a murder, an attack of any sort in an old folks home or long-term care home. The person is sent to the state mental hospital. And, you know, maybe maybe the province is just trying to pass off this problem because I wouldn't want to be a worker or a resident where you've got somebody who is violent. And let's face it, the people with dementia who are violent, it's not their problem. I mean, this, this is, you know, they can't blame them, but we have a responsibility to protect others. Uh, yeah, Jane, you were saying that uh, it's very difficult to get somebody from a long-term care home into a mental health facility. Right. It can be very difficult to get them into a mental health facility um, when they're having behaviors. There certainly are programs um, where people are going, um, and there's, there's issues around those programs, but... Um, I would say that, you know, once someone, um, something happens like this where there is um, an offense that's been committed, um, they can certainly be sent to a psychiatric facility um, under our, our forensic system. So they may be found not uh, not able to, um, uh, not... Uh, not criminally responsible. Well, or even, even before that, they probably, they have dementia, they probably can't even uh, go to trial. And those people would probably go into a psychiatric facility, um, into the forensic system. And that certainly does happen um, in these cases. And the unfortunate thing is, and I'm not saying that everyone who has behavior should be in a psychiatric facility, but we really need more specialized, um, whether they're called long-term care homes or something else, where you know people really do have uh, better um, supervision, that there's more staff, because those are the people 
you know, where there's issues. And, and a lot of the time we really do see these cases where, you know, there are telltale signs. Things have happened before. Um, and, you know, we look at long-term care reports, and we see this all the time where, you know, homes are not always reporting things or, you know, they're not necessarily doing things even though they know that there's um, a problem with a resident. Sometimes it's just between two residents for some reason, you know, and we really need to, to, to correct the system so that we can keep everyone safe. Okay, Pat, thanks for your call. Sure. Uh, we do have a few minutes left on this topic. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And yes, we have had some promises from the Ford government, but, you know, there's all this competition for limited resources. And I think we're concerned that staffing levels will be cut even further, though. Uh, you know, we heard earlier that, you know, Minister Fullerton um, has committed to increasing funding for that to a to fix this problem to some extent. I just wanted to pick up on something that we were talking about just just previously, and that was about um, people that are aggressive potentially going to psych wards. Um, as someone whose grandmother suffered from dementia, we know that people in long-term care have increased cognitive impairment, and as a result, their coping skills are diminished, and thus their sensitivity to their surroundings and to the environment, um, you know, are particularly heightened, whether it's too much noise, whether other residents are agitated, whether they feel like their personal space is being invaded. And this, in a fact causes a recipe for, you know, heightened levels of aggression. And I think we need to be aware of that fact as opposed to rather than just saying, oh, let's, you know, push them off to a to a psychiatric ward because I witnessed it with my own grandmother. And I think part of the behavioral support that that's where part of that comes to play, where individuals in long term care staff, nursing staff need to be uh, trained properly properly to deal with this and be aware of the environment that these individuals are living in so as to not create that sort of recipe for heightened aggression. Well, well, yes. I'd like to bring in Miranda Ferrier. She's the president and founder of the Ontario Personal Support Worker Association. Hi, Miranda. Hi, Libby. Uh, Miranda, so we've been talking about this uh, case. We don't know that much about it, but it's, uh, you know, uh, a fight between long-term care residents results in one death, uh, homicide, resident-on-resident uh, resident violence, and homicides are not a new thing. No, no, we've been here before. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, and we've been talking about staffing levels, and we've heard some, you know, nice words from the government. Uh, you know, where are we at? I think that um, staffing levels in long-term care facilities—it's been an issue. I mean, I've, I've been talking about this for going on twelve years now. Uh, that the short staffness in long-term care facilities, not having proper training, especially for the personal support workers in relation to aggressive dementias, uh, is a really big issue. Um, I mean, when PSWs go to school, uh, they get trained, of course, in Alzheimer's and dementia, but they don't get trained in the aggressive aspects that many times, as we've seen over the years, have increased dramatically, um, is, is now our current situation in long-term care. And, you know, the government, we have had many conversations with them uh, in relation to ratios in long-term care facilities. We believe that if we start with a set ratio of PSW or nurse to a certain amount of residents, that we would see care increase, uh, the quality of care increase, um, maybe better reporting mechanisms put in place. I mean, the, the sky's the limit on this one. Okay, uh, let's take a call from Margaret in Port Dover. Hello, Margaret. Hi. I'm a retired 
the nurse who trained with in a psychiatric hospital for my my psych training in in St. Thomas. And I'm just saying, I think the big mistake was when we closed the Ontario hospitals, because the patients were trained and looked after with properly, or I should say with properly trained people. They were happy. They were segregated according to their uh, conditions, but they were well looked after, well housed. A big problem with our, our street people that have mental health issues are, uh, are, you know, our homeless people and our people that live on the street have mental health issues which aren't being properly addressed. Um, I think it would solve a lot of problems if, if we had specified psychiatric hospitals where people were appropriately uh, sent when they had issues like that, not to a, a long-term care a general long-term care hospital. Okay, Margaret, thanks for that. Um, I think uh, that ship has sailed, and it's very difficult to have people with mental health problems committed uh, until something bad happens. Um, and uh, it's something really specific to do with dementia, uh, and we're seeing just more of this population. M- Miranda, do you think that simply increasing hours would go some distance it may we may see some um difference uh in the long-term care facilities but i just want to speak to you know uh what that that last caller was talking about is you know mental health let's 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 look apart now from the dementia and the alzheimer's aspect that we all kind of seem to focus on when we address the issues in long-term care when it comes to aggression or assault or murder And what we're not realizing is that we have had an influx in this province over the last, I'd say, really eight years of individuals with actual mental illness being put into long-term care facilities, and they're not being, the, the, the frontline workers are not being told that they have these these uh, these issues. Um, and then to top it all off, you have personal support workers that go to school, and they only get two hours of mental health training. That's it. So their vast knowledge, which there is none, on mental illnesses, and suddenly they're dealing with schizophrenics, they're dealing with bipolar, they're dealing with manic depressives. And that's something that personal support workers were not trained to deal with. So I think we have to look at not only more hours in long-term care, but we also have to look at the training for personal support workers and where we need to change that so that we can not only give our frontline staff the armor as in training that they need in order to do their jobs to the best of their abilities, but also, you know, provide that quality of care to the residents. Uh, Lisa, have you found that a problem that there are more people with, uh, I guess you'd call it pre-existing mental health conditions as opposed to ones that are related to dementia? I don't know the statistics on it, but I do know that a number of homes are um, basically forced to take in residents and um they're concerned that they may not have the staff, the staffing or resources to be able to handle it, but they have to take them. Uh, one thing that we haven't talked about is the need for more emotional-based care. And I know, for example, the City of Toronto did a study to see how they can uh, do better in their homes and provide care that uh, for their for their residents that focuses on emotions and on dementia, for example. And uh, there's other homes like uh, in Peel, they have a butterfly home. And in those kinds of homes, there's a real change in the way residents, uh, the way staff interact with residents. And it really helps to de-escalate 
responsive behaviors of people with dementia, and it improves. It actually improves staff morale as well. So the residents are feel better, the staff feel better. And so looking at those emotional models of care, like City of Toronto, they already do have some in place and they're going to be uh, going further with it. Uh, you know, those are the kinds of things that we need to see with the increasing uh, acuity of our residents in long-term care. Okay, I'd like to take a quick call from Helen in Toronto. Hello, Helen. Hi, Lisa. Uh, I'm sorry. Hi, Libby. Um, my mother is in an institution. My mother has been attacked a couple of times, and you were talking oh, about uh, not reporting. They knew who I was after the first incident. Then when the second and third um, happened, I spoke to the director, and I said to her, I think you better report this. And, oh, no, we're not reporting this. You know, they don't. you don't have to be an administrator at one of these homes to report. I reported it, and they went in and they checked the house, uh, the house, the home out. Um, I didn't realize when that happens, the person who goes in to check the home out is there for at least a week, and they keep coming and going as they please, and therefore um, they're going to catch them in the act of not doing or doing what should or should not be done. And did that work out well after you reported it? Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, quite a while later, I kept following up, and a, and a while later, uh, they said to me, well, do you still want to follow it up? And I said, yes. And they had changed the administrator, the one that they have. The director now is very good and very nice. Um, and she knew that when they, when they came in, she said, I bet Helen called <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, well, you know, like, you don't have to sit back and wait for them to report. You can phone up and you can report, and they, and if you're persistent, they will take action. Okay. Well, thank you for that tip, and I'm glad it worked out for you, Helen. Thank you. Okay. Take care. You know, as as with everything else in healthcare, if you have family who will advocate for you, things are better. But sometimes things just happen too quickly, like a uh, case with Ka- Tammy Carbino and her mother were in- incredible advocates for James Acker, but mm-hmm. the damage was done. Mm-hmm. We hear these stories okay. all too often. They're far too common. And I don't know how many times we need to call on the government to take action before something, you know, how many times does someone need to die before the government actually takes action on this issue? Okay, well, that's exactly. uh, that's a, a, a note to wrap things up on. Uh, Jane, uh, do you want to add anything? I, I was just going to say that one of the issues, you know, certainly is that they are far too institutional. So we need that emotional program, which, you know, they do require a lot more staff for those programs. Um, but we also need to look at what are we doing in uh, the homes. I mean, the, the layout of many of the homes is not conducive to the residents' um, well-being. Um, and, you know, we need more programming. I mean, people are bored in those places. And so, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't help if, you know, there are people who have issues. It's just going to exacerbate the problem. And Lisa? Yeah, no, I, I agree with all of that. I mean, this is not a simple solution. We need to look at staffing levels. We need to look at training. We need to look at the type of model of care and design and all of those things to improve the care uh, of our seniors. But those who are working in long-term care are highly dedicated and homes are highly regulated. So we just have to build on that to improve the system. 
Okay. Uh, thank you so much. I hope we don't have to talk about this anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. uh, this just uh, such a terrible story. So thank you to Lisa Levin, Jane Meadis, Marissa Lennox, and Miranda Ferrier. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.